Verse 2, when, he, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Say amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for just a wonderful time of worship. Thank you for all the hearts and the lives that are in this place. Thank you for mending us. Thank you for knitting our hearts together as a church. And I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. I thank you that, Lord, uh, that the revelation of your love surpasses knowledge itself. And I just pray for a deeper revelation of your love. Lord, we're going to be spending all eternity discovering how much you love us. So, Father, I pray right now that you would touch every heart in life. And I thank you for restoration of relationships. I thank you for restoration um, that will take place through this message today. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone shouted out loud. All right. Come on, let's give one more shout unto God, would you? Thank you, Lord. So in preparing for this message, I started thinking about, because we're going to talk about breaking bread. Uh, we're going to talk about what this phrase means, give us this day our daily bread. But we're going to talk about uh, coming to the table of the Lord. It's, it's connected to Holy Communion, but it's not just about communion. I'm going to talk about the common meal. I'm going to, we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. So I started thinking, and this was, this was easy for me, you know, like some messages like, I, honey, you know, help me with a couple stories I can share in the sermon um, but this one was easy because I love food. Come on, somebody. If you love food, say, thank you, Jesus. And if you didn't say, thank you, Jesus, you were lying in church right now. Um, I, I love breaking bread and I love fellowship. I love breaking bread with the saints and, and I, I love getting together and we should do that often. We should come together and break bread. And we should welcome the presence of the Lord when we do that. And, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I was thinking about some stories. And, man, we've had so many incredible moments with our family at home where we're all sitting there. And it starts out, like, kind of holy, right, kind of spiritual in my household. Like, it starts that way. <laughs> Hello? Don't act like you're that holy. Come on. God sees everything that goes on in your house. So we're sitting there with our five crazy kids and our adopted son, Laris, and it starts out, let's thank God for the food. And, and always, I think David, my son, David, who's in the back on the lights, how many think the lights are just awesome today? That's because my son's back there. David usually instigates, but we love it because it releases the joy of the Lord. Amen. And, uh, and uh, you know, if you're religious, don't come to my house because you will be offended for sure. And my son usually, I mean, sometimes they end up dancing on the chair or something and we're eating together, right? It starts out holy. We pray, all right, guys, let's thank God for food. And, but it ends up being such an amazing time of joy and freedom where we're laughing so hard. But what we don't re really realize in the moment that there's a bond and a harmony and a connection going on in the spirit. And it's such a blessing to break bread together. It's such a blessing to come together, to fellowship to eat a meal, to share a meal with the saints, with family. Come on, somebody. We need to get back to the table and we need to break bread together. I was thinking about a time, uh, Ed and Glenda, how many know Ed and Glenda? And uh, they're actually enjoying the beach in the Bahamas or something. Pray for them. Life is so rough. They're on the mission field. Oh, glory to God. But uh, they're 
we were all eating at a Thai restaurant. I had some Thai food yesterday. Oh, can we just thank God for Thai food for a minute? Just stop. Just say la right now. Thai. Say la. I'm not even joking. I'm so serious. I love food. I, <laughs> can you tell? So we're, we're eating at this Thai restaurant, and we're having a good time. We're hanging out. And how many know Glenda? Glenda's a sister, right? She's a sister, not a sister. Okay, she's a sister. And we get there, and we're eating, and we're ordering, and the waitress comes out, and uh, she's so sweet. And in her accent, she is telling us what she recommends on the menu. And we're about to order, and Glenda's asking a question about something on the menu. And then she tells her the answer, and then she says, it's good for the Negro. And now, hold on a minute. Just let me finish this story. So I looked at Rochelle. I said, did she just say what I think she said? And you saw Glenda's countenance change a little bit. Just, she kind of busted into the system mode. Like, you can take the sister out of the ghetto, but I don't know if you can take the ghetto out of the sister. My wife is living proof of that. Don't, she does the neck thing sometimes. The, you know, I can't even do it. It hurts every time I try. But if she does the neck thing, stand back. Come on, somebody. So Glenda just has a shift in her countenance and we're about to break bread and eat. And like, we're thinking, oh, God is good. And then someone's got to say something whack like that. Like, what is this lady talking about? It's good for the Negro. And we're like, what? So we order, we order our food and then, and then she leaves and Glenda's like, did she just say what I think she said? And we're like, hold on, Glenda, just wait. It might not be what you think. We worked through it. We prayed, we laid hands on her. Her precious husband said, I love you, baby. He's so good. He's just awesome. Ed is just amazing. What we found out is she was explaining that the food that she was ordering is good with a dark beer. It's good for the, the, right? But in the moment, it was a little awkward. But those are those moments where you don't forget, you laugh together, and there's a harmony, and there's a bond. How many have ever been breaking bread and it was a real serious moment? How many know what I'm talking about? See, there's something about this ritual of eating that sometimes we forget. And it's not the religious, okay, let's fold our hands and let's thank God for the food. Yes, our hearts should always be posturing at thanking God for the food. But something holy happens when we break bread together. There's, there's something going on here. And I want to look at the Lord's Prayer. I want to talk about this because I, what does this mean? Give us this day our daily bread. You know, there's some translations. If you look back, uh, some of the ancient translations, even like the, the Amplified and the HCSB and the, uh, the Nazarene Gospel. If you look at some of these, it says, give us today's bread for tomorrow. It's interesting to me because that doesn't really make sense. How many know what I'm talking about? It doesn't even... Com- connect with the whole manna thing because you can't save manna up for tomorrow or it's spoiled, right? Because when you think, give us this day our daily bread, it's like, let's live day by day. How many have ever heard it taught like that? But Jesus was saying more than that. He wasn't just saying, you know, thank God for the sustenance. I mean, Jesus teaches us that. Jesus reveals the heart of the Father that he says, God's going to take care of you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your wearing. Like God, God is, he loves you. He's a good God in heaven and he's a father that loves you. He's going to take care of all your needs. How many know that that's the truth? But when he says, give us this day our daily bread, there are some translations say, give us today's bread for tomorrow. And, and I want to talk about this because what does he really mean here? What, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, th- there's much more than just 
understanding the daily provision, but something holy happens when we eat, when we gather together, when we break bread, when we come to the table of the Lord. Now, this message is not going to be entirely about communion, although there is a connection. Uh, That's way too big of a thing to teach in one sermon. But what we're talking about is, is breaking bread together, just the simplicity of sharing a meal together. So let's look at this. So we, we see in the early church, uh, origin translated it, give me today's bread or give me today tomorrow's bread. Now it's interesting. I touched on this a little bit. Let me throw that at you again, that there's only four early church fathers that actually could read and write Hebrew. So some of the translations from the original mother language to Greek, and then again to Latin in the Vulgate, we lose some stuff. And there's actually a made-up Greek word in this verse in Luke 11.3. So if we want to know what he's saying, we got to go back. That's why some of the translations say, like H-E-S-B and Amplified, our bread for tomorrow. What does this mean, our bread for tomorrow? Give us the bread today. Give us our, the, our food today for tomorrow. What does this mean? Well, I want to I take us back to the historical context. How many know if you want to understand what the Scripture is saying, you got to know what the reader and the writer meant at the time? How many know what I'm talking about? Um, this is huge for us believers when we study the Scripture. Because if we don't understand the historical context, we're just going to put our own ideas in it. That's called eisegesis. But in order for us to pull out really what the Scripture and the understanding of the Scripture so the Spirit of God can reveal Jesus to us, Jesus, the Word of God, so the, the inspired Scripture reveals who Jesus is. We feast on the living Christ. We must understand the historical context. So in the historical context, it's important that you know that when, uh, when Jews of the day of Jesus were looking at the future, when they were looking at the future where God would reign, his kingdom would reign in justice and in peace. One of the texts that they looked at, one was in Zechariah, different places of the Old Testament, but Isaiah chapter 25 was one of them. I want you to open your Bible to Isaiah 25. We're going to have it up there in just a minute. Wait one minute. And and this is going to help us because this is part of what I believe Jesus is saying. Um, That Jesus was not just saying Thank God for your provision. Because the way we look at it, it's like we're, you know, that big plant on uh, the little shop of horrors, feed me, right? I mean, it's more than that. It's more than just the provision of God for, for our eating. Because that is a ritual that we do every day. Come on, sometimes more than once, twice, three, four times a day. Amen? I got second dinner and third dinner some nights. Glory to God. But we, we have to understand it's more than just feast. It's more than just eating. What is... Jesus saying, and I want to look at this and and help you understand part of the Lord's prayer in this. So in Isaiah 25, we're going to read verses 6 through 8. One of the the ways we can understand this is that Jesus is saying, he's saying this, that as you eat together every time you break bread, as you feast on your daily bread, let that meal be like the meal that is to come. Are you hearing me this morning? In other words, what is the meal to come? Well, let's look at Isaiah chapter uh, 25, verses 6 or 8. You can put it up in the message if you would. Let's put it up there. This is so powerful. Give us our bread today. Give us the bread today for tomorrow. Now look at verse 6. But here on this mountain, God of the angel armies will throw a feast 
for all the people of the world. Man, isn't that powerful? That means all the, all the ISIS people too. That means everybody. That means your enemies. That means a neighbor you don't like. Everyone's invited to this feast. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the meal of all meals where nobody is an enemy to somebody else, but we get along because we're at Papa's table. This is a meal that every nation, tribe, and tongue is invited to. All the people of the world. A feast of the finest foods. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen right there? A feast with vintage wines. Glory to God. A feast with seven courses. A feast lavish with gourmet desserts. We could just stop and have a little praise break right there. Come on, somebody. Now, Isaiah is painting a picture of a messianic reign. This is called known as the messianic banquet. So when Jesus is talking about this, this is the picture. He's talking about God's reign. The, the readers, the writers, the hearers of this message of him teaching them how to pray are getting this. They're saying, oh, the reign of God. Give us our bread today for tomorrow. In other words, the meals that we have now, let them be as if this, it's the same meal that we're having at this banquet table. In other words, when we break bread together, we're no longer harboring bitterness towards one another, but we come with open hearts. We come with forgiveness. We come to the table of the Lord. We come to Holy Communion. Come on, we examine ourselves. We make sure that we're not guilty of the blood and body of the Lord because we all come as stained sinners saying, God, you're washing me with this cup of your blood. I'm taking in the broken body of Jesus. Come on, somebody. We come to this table. We ask God, give us our meal today and let every meal that we have with Christians, with the world, be as if we're sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is what the Lord's Prayer helps us with. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. He's not just saying, give us this day our daily bread. It's give us our meals today that, it, that let every meal we eat be like this meal, the messianic banquet. Let's read on in Isaiah chapter 25. And here on this mountain, God will banish the pall of doom hanging over all peoples. The shadow of doom and the shadow of doom darkening all nations. Verse 8. Yes, he'll banish death forever. Come on and give God a shout. And God will wipe the tears from every face. He'll remove every sign of disgrace from his people. Wherever they are, yes, God says so. Thank you, Jesus. You see, listen, there's something, and I, I, I love hospitality. Come on, I love, I, there, some people have a gift. It's a gift. The Father just wired people this way. Some people, uh, they just have this gift. You know who you are, and I love you more than everybody else. Because when I walk in your house, I'm at home. It's just like, you don't need to get comfortable in a home that has hospitality. The comfort finds you, glory to God. It's like you don't even need to put anything on your food. It's seasoned just right. Everything's just perfect. And the, it's just seven-course meal. Just Food just keeps popping in front of your face. Think about hospitality for a minute. Have you ever had a seven-course meal on a cruise? There's some people that just got off. Chris and Clara just got off of a cruise. How was it? Was it amazing? Did you have an awesome, restful time? I'm jealous. Have you ever had a seven-course meal? Come on, have you ever been in a place where, well, this, this hospitality is divine hospitality. This is where not only do we feast 
on the provision that God, and he satisfies our mouth. Well, it's just not holy to enjoy food. Oh, be quiet. Jesus made my taste buds glory. And I enjoy my food. He satisfies, I got a verse for you if if you're that legalistic about it. He satisfies my mouth with good things. It's somewhere in the Bible. Look it up later. Glory. In one of the translations. I'll, I'll believe that one. Whatever it says, just that's, that's the translation I'll read. But how many know hospitality is a blessing? But divine hospitality is not just coming to, to feast on provision. But you're feasting on the goodness of God. You're feasting on the love of God. You're feasting on who Jesus is. He's revealed at the table. The presence of the Lord is at the table. There's something that happens that's so holy. Have you ever been sitting at a table with believers and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost came and just rested in your midst? Have you ever been there and all of a sudden the grudge that you had towards someone just fell and your heart began to open to them again and defenses come down. Now, Jesus says that he wants to dine with us when he's writing to one of the churches in the book of Revelation. He says, I want to dine with you. It's a place of intimacy, but God is calling us to the table of divine hospitality. And Jesus is saying, give us this day our daily bread, our bread for today, that we, what we feast on today, our meals that we eat today will be like that meal that we we share with all the peoples of the world where there is no enemy and there is no war. Come on, somebody where God's reigning in justice and in love and in peace. You all should be shouting right now. There's something holy. If we posture our hearts and say, when I break bread with you, I'm eating this meal as if we're sitting at the marriage supper of the lamb. It's kind of hard to have grudges towards one another when, when we have that, when we're conscious of that. Amen. This is what he's saying, Luke eleven three. He's saying, as if treat every meal as if it's that meal, the one that is to come, the one mentioned in Isaiah 25, the one mentioned in Revelation, the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the finest feast in the history of the universe. And guess who's invited? Everyone. Everyone. By the way, if Jesus says love your enemies, that pretty much means that we shouldn't kill them. We should pray for him. They didn't kill Saul when he killed the first martyr, Stephen. In American Christianity, we would have assaulted them. We would ask the Roman army to go ahead and with the sword and just stab him in the chest. Who is so quiet in here? What's going on in this place? Jesus says, love your enemies. Saul was no different than a member of ISIS. And guess what? There are more Muslims getting saved now in the history of the, of the existence of Islam. And it's just going to increase. But if we keep thinking like, well, we need to just wipe them out. We just need it. No, we need to pray for Damascus encounters. Because we're called to love our enemies. Because guess what? There's going to be some members of ISIS at this table. Just let that settle in your spirit. And that person that you've had grudges against for a long time, they're going to be there too. I love Jesse Duplantis. One time he's preaching about heaven. He says, you know what? If you don't don't forgive your neighbor or that person you don't like, God's going to put their mansion right next door to yours in heaven. I just believe it for some reason. Now, this is going to move us into next week, and you can't miss it. I'm telling you, it's much more. We have to understand the forgiveness, how important it is to forgive. Watch next week, like four people are going to show up. 
He's preaching on forgiveness. I think I'm sick that Sunday. (laughs) But there are people that are our enemies that are not God's enemies. Does God have enemies? Just, Just don't answer the question. It's rhetorical. Just think about it. Does God have enemies under the new covenant? Does God have enemies? Well, anyone who's an enemy of We have all these old covenant mindsets. We're still living in the shadow. The old covenant's the shadow, which the Bible says the old covenant put a veil over who God was. But under the new covenant, as we are ambassadors and ministers of the new covenant, Jesus removes the veil. Jesus shows us what God really looks like. The gospel isn't just about a little formula to lead someone into a prayer of salvation so they make it into eternity. Come on. The gospel is about a proclamation of a king that is born. It's about a revelation of the very character and the nature of God, that he's a loving God. And then all the other shadow deities that we've poured, that we have formed through religion are just completely wiped away under the light of Jesus's face. Does God have enemies? That's a good question. Think for yourself. Don't just run with the multitudes as well. If you're an enemy of Israel, you're an enemy of God. If you're an enemy of America, you're an enemy of God. Does God love? I'm, now I'm, I'm touching on some deep stuff here. I just want you to, I want you to think for yourself. I want you to think for yourself. That's what a pastor and a teacher does. A teacher does not get you to think the way they think. A teacher gets you to think for yourself. It's called a renewed mind. And I'm, I I don't, I don't like the cultic thinking in some forms of evangelicalism that we have to think a certain way. Let's search the scriptures and, and let's learn of the living Christ. Let's think outside the box of our churchianity and religious concepts of who God is. And let's reveal who Papa really is. And let us understand this simple verse. It's so much more profound that if I understand that God doesn't just want me to thank him for my daily sustenance, but as I eat, every meal can be partaking of him. Every meal can be like the meal that we read about in Isaiah 25, the messianic banquet, the marriage supper of the lamb. Treat every time you gather and eat as if it were that meal. Think about all the times we gather and then we start talking about somebody and we just, I mean, come on, this is, this is something, let it be a revelation. Let it sink in your heart that God wants our hearts to beat like his heart where we have this thing, you know, we even, we even do it in our, in our cultures, you know, who's welcome at your table? Well, only certain people are welcome at your table. I want you to think about that for a minute. Who's welcome? I sat next to a a young man that has been totally burnt by religious fundamentalism Christianity. And I looked at him and I said, you are welcome at my table. I said, you're welcome at my dinner table. I don't care what sin you've committed. I don't care where you're from because I'm telling you something. When people are genuinely loved and accepted, they come alive and they change and they awaken to their destiny. And what they live and what they're doing that may be wrong, they realize like this is not good for me. And they get set free by the power of the love and grace of God. So Jesus says, give us this daily bread. I want you to see the future reign of the Messiah that as you eat now, let it be like that meal that is to come. Let us share in that type of love, that type of forgiveness. Now, as we come to the table of the Lord before we close, 
if we could just have our uh, worship team come up right now and just softly play. I want to come to the table of the Lord and I want to ask you, I want to ask you to just come and partake of Jesus. Come to his table that everyone's welcome at. You know, even when we study church history that the Lord's Supper began to get exclusive. And I don't know if that's the right thing to do. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I want to study it more. I don't know. Like, you know, well, you can't partake of the Lord, Lord's Supper unless you pray the sinner's prayer. But in the early church, they would do these things called agape feasts, love feasts, and they would end with the, Lord, the Lord's Supper. They would break the bread and, and they would drink the wine and it was the, the body of Jesus, the presence. Now, now, it's more than a symbol. What you're doing is more than a symbol. You're partaking of Jesus. Hello? I'm not talking about transubstantiation. I'm talking about a mystical presence of God. That There is something that happens in the spirit. You're partaking of more than a cracker. Come on. And as we come to the table, Lord, here's what I'm praying. That we can come together as a family. And maybe there's some people in here that you need to forgive. Maybe there's some people outside of these walls that you need to forgive. Maybe you need to go to that person after or, or even before. Maybe you need to say, you know what, man, I've been running my mouth about you. I've been talking about you. I'm sorry. I've been, I've, I've thought wrong of you and, and I want you to forgive me. Some of the most powerful moments are the moments where we come clean with the things that we bury in our hearts. So powerful. You see, the mercy seat is the place where there's no retention of sin. And that's where the glory rested. Sometimes we wonder why we don't feel like there's glory on our lives, like we just feel an emptiness. Or, and, and sometimes it's almost like our hearts become so callous that we're hindering the very flow of heaven from our lives. Unforgiveness binds us from our destiny. Unforgiveness binds us from becoming the church unified that God has called us to be. Amen. Can we come to the table of the Lord and say, I want to treat every meal. And I encourage you to start breaking bread with saints. Invite people in your homes. Love on them. Feed them. Let them experience more than hospitality. Let them experience divine hospitality. It's a hand of a saint reaching to a sinner and saying, you're loved and accepted. Oh, come on, somebody. If I was one of you sitting out here, I would have stood up and I would have said, come on, preach it, pastor. Preach it. I love this. It's so good. It's so real to me. This is such a powerful revelation of the Lord's prayer. So as we break bread and as we come and we partake of Holy Communion, which is rep- represents the broken body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, we crucified Him. We sinned our sin into Jesus. And guess what Jesus did? He forgave us. We're coming to the mercy seat. We're coming to the place where we're all guilty and He wasn't guilty, but He died anyways. And we're coming and we're saying we partake of that Lord, make us one. Make us one, Lord. We forgive the people that we've held stuff against. So we forgive and we let it go. And we come and we partake of Jesus. We partake of your presence. We partake of your forgiveness. Close your eyes with me if you would. You can bring the lights down. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for touching the hearts. Thank you 
for everyone that may have got offended when I started getting a little kingdom on them with the political stuff. Thank you for forgiving them for getting offended. Amen. I'm just messing with you. Lord, thank you for open hearts. We open our hearts. We open our hearts right now. We open our hearts to people. We open our hearts to one another. I believe restoration is going to take place. Maybe your marriage is a little messed up right now. Now's the time to say, God, forge us. God, we want to be bound together in your love. God, bring us in harmony. Let's come to the table of the Lord. Let this meal be like the marriage supper of the Lamb. Maybe there's some people in here you need to forgive. Let's come to the table of the Lord. In just a moment, the ushers are going to dismiss you. Would you stay in an attitude of worship? Get the juice and the cracker. Go back to your seat. And we're going to partake all together. And then we're going to dismiss. Ushers, would you go ahead and come forward? Father, we bless the elements. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that we're partaking of more than a cracker and a cup of juice. Thank you, Lord, that your body was broken so ours could be whole. Thank you for the blood that was shed for us, Lord. And we just release grace. We release your presence right now in the name of Jesus as we partake together. Go ahead and dismiss. Come to the table of the Lord. Come and partake of the body and the blood of Jesus. Amen. Go back to your seats if you would and just, you can sit or you can stand, but just hold on to it and begin to ponder and begin to take a moment to how important it is when we come to the table of the Lord. Amen.
just take a moment say, Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your sweet forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God. That's it. Just take a moment and softly pray, would you? Just softly pray. Thank God for his presence. Thank God for his presence. Thank you for your body that was broken for us. We come to the table of the Lord. See, as Protestants, this is treated a little differently, but we need to give a little more attention to it. How many would agree with that? Come on. We thank you, Lord. Some people say, well, I just don't want it to be too ritualistic. Well, you should stop brushing your teeth then. And all the other ritualistic things that we do, eating at a certain time, we gather around ritual. It's okay if it's holy, as long as our hearts are in the right place. Amen? Thank you, Lord. We're almost done. Actually, I want to ask you if you would stand. Can we stand together as we hold the juice and the cracker? sing that again. Let your presence fill this place. up the juice and the cracker. Let's pray this together. Say, Lord, just go ahead and turn my mic up a tiny bit, bro. I lost it. Thank you. Lift up the cracker. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your body that was broken. Thank you for your presence. To the table of the Lord, fully present to take in your presence so I can be whole. My relationships, family, in every marriage right now, we declare restoration of relationships as we partake of your body and your cup. Amen. Go ahead and partake. Go ahead and drink the cup now. Say thank you for your blood, Lord. 
Thank you for forgiveness. God says you're forgiven. Go ahead and partake. Now lift up your hands. I declare release from every weight and every lie of guilt and sin. Now we're going to invite you in just a moment to come as we dismiss those that want to be dismissed. If you're in this place and you feel like you need to reconcile with the relationship, this is a perfect opportunity. This is a perfect moment for you to go to the person and say, you know what? I've had some things in my heart against you. You can even just borrow that line. Just say, I've had some things in my heart against you and I I want to release it. Forgive me. I love you. I want to ask our prayer team to come up and just face the people. If you need prayer for anything, we're going to have that time at the end of service here in just a second. But if you're in this place and you feel like you need to make things right with a sister or brother, maybe it's your spouse and maybe you just have some words you want to exchange. Say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start loving you the way I should. That's all we're doing. We're learning how to love. So I want, I want to just proclaim freedom for you to do that. When I close in prayer, I'm just going to release you. I'm going to release you to go and do that and be bold. Hold on just a moment. Bring it down a minute. There was a powerful moment one time. Let me share this. One time we took communion in our home and we had some people over. It was a spontaneous gathering and we had some people there that were harboring stuff against one another. We didn't really know this, but we, we did this, what we're about to do. And we said, if you have something in your heart, you just need to make things right. And there was the most beautiful sight of tears of freedom and forgiveness and restoration between a few sisters. It was just incredible. And the spirit of gossip was broken. It was so powerful. Are you hearing me? The spirit of slander, which is a perversion of what our mouths are supposed to be used for. See, some people don't have a sexual perverted spirit, but they have a perverted tongue, which is gossip. I could drop the mic and walk out right now if I wanted to. Because of the willingness of the hearts of these sisters, it was such a holy moment. They said, I've held things in my heart against you. And at the same time, they wept and they embraced. It was so powerful. So powerful. And the spirit of slander and gossip and division was broken just like that. So powerful. The table is for conversations of intimacy and love and joy and sharing life. Not all that other stuff. Give us our meals today as we eat today, Lord, and let it be like we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we posture our hearts in that place. So as I release you, if you feel like you need to do that, just go for it. You're going to feel great afterwards. Amen. One more time. Just thank God before I dismiss you. Lord, I just pray blessings over every life, every heart. We pray right now and declare freedom in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, come. 
If you want to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. We love you. God bless you. Stop by the connect table. If you need to just love on some people, go. Be free now. Go.